What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. So I've been thinking a lot about the food industry. Um, as you guys know, we're working on getting Soulfire Farms on, and that kind of led me down to a rabbit hole of lab-grown meat. And I sought out an expert, and that is Kyle Anderson, the host of The New Age Grill. That's his podcast. So without further ado, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure, brother. Hey, dude. Yeah, it's good. So I kind of, uh, I, I noticed, uh, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while, but uh, from kind of our introductory conversations, you wanted to start a podcast talking about lab-grown meat. I kind of am wondering what led you to want to do that. I mean, it definitely is a future of food, but like, you know, what 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 inspired you to do this? know for the longest time i've kind of questioned that too um as you know i've been in grad school for the past few years um majoring in public policy for my master's and my concentration is science technology and environmental policy one of my classes they kind of challenged us to look at a new innovation that's coming out and kind of dive into some research and it was just for a paper well I'm not very well versed in environmental studies, but I decided to go ahead and just, you know, Google around and I'm a food guy, always have been. So I came across cell cultured meat and I said, what does that exactly mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and after reading into it, I realized cell cultured is just a fancy way of saying lab grown. Um started doing my paper I, I looked at it and i said you know what this is an area that i could get interested in i love grilling i love burgers i love meat but my first thought was is this all about beyond and impossible patties you know the plant-based meat or what is this so diving into it that's kind of where the interest came just because it was such a new technology that not a lot of people have heard about you know within my friends groups i've kind of asked them like hey have you heard of lab grown meat and they're like oh those impossible patties and i'll say no you know lab grown meat nobody has really heard of it so that's where i've kind of done a lot of my research um scientists around the world and really have focused all of my studies in that category just to try to bring a little bit more public knowledge on it. Yeah. So just the science behind it, right. It's cultured meat is produced by um, the the vitro and the cell culture of animals. And so they're just essentially extracting some of those cells and then putting them in a Petri dish or something, then growing a steak. I mean, that's a, I'm butchering the science of it all, but that's kind of my understanding (laughs) of it. No, you're, you're right on track and I'm not a scientist by any means, but the whole process of it is extracting a little bit of animal tissue and using stem cells to kind of replicate the DNA and the exact characteristics of that tissue so it can grow and form an actual, you know, meat patty. That's so crazy, man. That's what do you do you happen to know that it's actual, wild. It's we're having a little bit of technical out there, difficulties. Boss. Yeah. Um do you happen to know the cost of producing this meat? You do. Um, well, the cost is still decreasing. I believe right now it's about $7 a pound. Um, 
about a year ago, I was kind of weighing the cost of it, and the cost for traditional beef is about a dollar five per pound. And at that time, it was twelve dollars. Now, when this idea first came to be, and this was ten years ago, the actual cost to produce one uh, pound was three hundred thousand dollars and it took two years to culture enough cells to replicate one pound of beef so everything's kind of rapidly you know grown and expedited throughout the years that's insane I, that's so, so what you're talking about when it was three hundred thousand dollars to produce a, a few pounds of it um that's when i read about it and i was like there's no way and I kind of just didn't pay attention to it. And now, what, two, three, <laughs> two, three years later, they've gotten it down to twelve bucks a pound. No, now eight dollars a pound, or would you say seven? Um, I think it's I think it's between six to eight, depending on the company. Right now, there's about five companies that are really leading the charge on this. You'll mainly read about three, but there's a couple others. Um, a few that are state or stateside here in the U.S., including out in Palo Alto, you know, Silicon Valley area, and then there's a few out in Israel as well. So okay. um, it's kind of a race to see who can make this the most cost efficient to make it financially viable to bring to consumers. Because I think right now, if they can get within pound, it may cost a little bit more than traditional meat, but you're going to have consumers that will still buy it. But they're still probably about six months to a year off. And I know COVID definitely threw a wrench into a lot of this stuff. So. Yeah, that that make that makes a lot of sense. Do you know? Um, I mean, is this stuff available for consumption right now, or, or is it is it out on the market? Is there stores that are carrying this? Currently, no. Um, and I think that the first when I was doing research, I think a lot of the target audience that these companies are gearing towards is going directly to restaurants first. Um, whether it's fast food or going to restaurant chains just to try to get the idea out there and really gauge where the market is. And that's when it would be available for uh, shelf. But I know the initial launch plan was supposed to be this year in 2021. Uh, one of the largest companies that's leading the charge is Memphis Meats. They're out in California. I know right now they they raise enough money and they have plans to hit the market here in the next year. Um, it's going to be one of those things that when it hits, it's going to be fast and it's going to be hard, but I think it's going to hit the restaurant chain first. One sec, Kyle, you do know a lot of shit. I don't know. Did you keep cutting out? <laughs> it's so oh. bad, dude. Like I'm looking at my sound engineer. Is it really? Yeah, dude, it's really bad. Like, I don't know. I don't even know if we could use like he's a, he's a miracle worker, but there's no way he could clean this up. It's kind of where I, what I'm getting to is I get like he'll be on a fucking great riff, and and then it'll be like he'll be gone and then pop back in and it would be like especially 
Because there, yeah, there's a chance that I'm I'm definitely cutting him off too, or or I don't know. It's super weird. Though. Chat, am I cutting out to you guys? A few days I ordered the equipment today. I must. I can do that. Give me one second. No worries, brother. Yeah. Really? Dude, I'm very impressed. You fucking know so much. I had no no idea. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm a fucking genius, but I'm not rich like you guys. Where I can afford fancy ass internet, I got to sit here and get the laggy shit. Oh, dude, no, you're good. You're <laughs> good. Uh, actually, I'm wondering if I can change the quality of my stream to be a lower quality. I know you're in chat. Do you have any recommendation to reduce lag? But this is crazy. The- the growing pains of the podcast. This is definitely a first though. Normally it's me that's kind of fucked up. How often? By the way, I'm 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 ending my I'm ending my stream right now. Um I, I'm I blame it on my internet. It has to be because I have every freaking device in the world hooked up to my internet and 25 uh, megs was or 25. I don't know. Was good a few years ago, but right now it's just dog shit. Oh dude. I hear you. Yeah, they're they're ripping us off there. All right, um, let me uh, let me close out of this. Like for like close out of the close window. Let me join your call here. I'm gonna disconnect and reconnect, so it's probably a little faster. Okay. <laughs>
I'm going to turn the light on too, that way you guys can see me. Is that better or no? Alrighty. Oh, I appreciate you guys being patient with me. I was honestly trying to get my Twitch up and going, but I have faster internet and I have a solid ass computer coming in the next few days. So everything will be up and ready by next week. But if my audio is good and you guys can use it, I am on a roll and ready right now. It sounds really good. It sounds a, b a bunch better. Um, yeah, my bad, guys. Should, where were we at? Do you mind if I do you mind if I try to disconnect this and just use my external microphone? All right, can you guys hear me? We can. Sound good. Yep. Um, am I, are you echoing? Because you're coming no. through my computer speakers and I can put my headset on. I'm not hearing you. Sweet. This microphone is a good investment. All right. Yeah. So. We ended up having a small technical difficulty here. Um, as you'll notice, microphones are different. Everything is fine. Uh, continue and enjoy the show. Um, I was talking about Memphis meats. Memphis meats is, uh, if you look up lab-grown meat or cell-cultured meat, they're actually the company that's kind of leading the charge on everything. So, um, well, in the States, they're out in Palo Alto and like the Silicon Valley area. They just finished raising a bunch of money i think it was like 550 million or something like that so they're gearing to bring it to the market within this year now don't cite me on that because if they have a different timeline that changed then i can't you know i'm not credible enough to really say hey you know this is when they're launching i'm not a spokesperson for them but i know initially they were targeting mid to end of 2021 and i know a lot of other companies okay. are trying to raise and finish you know, do you, do you happen to know, is it, is that a publicly or privately traded company? Currently it's private. Um, they, I believe they're going to go public. If you, there were, there's a site that I use to buy shares in them. So I do have some shares in them and it's kind of like during their seed rounds and whatnot, but they're still private. This, this is fascinating. So, like, is this something that you're going to be an early adopter to? I would assume yes, since you have such a, a strong interest in it. See, that's the thing. I don't know. Um, there's, a, there's a few questions with it. So a lot of, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, no, it's not, not, that's not natural. Or, oh, yeah, I would totally do that. You know, a lot of these companies are promising that it's a cleaner cut of meat, that it's healthier for you because it doesn't have, all the pesticides and everything in it that all these, you know, livestock are consuming throughout their entire lives. But 
for me, the problem with that is then your body doesn't build up an immunity to that kind of stuff, build up the antibodies. Now, again, I'm not a scientist, so some of my terminology is a little off, but overall, your body is adapting to only eating clean food. So if you eat something that has additives or any preservatives in it, it could maybe cause you to get sick or your body would reject it a little bit more than the cleaner meat. I don't think it should be a full substitute. I I personally see it being a good option for you know long-term sustainability of food, but also you know prisons, space, soldiers on deployment, areas of the world where they don't have access to you know fresh good meat from livestock that's healthy and well taken care of. You know, when I was in Iraq, we yeah. didn't have you know, burgers that were like super fresh or anything like that, having the ability to, you know, culture meat in various areas of the world can not only help with starvation in certain countries, but overall bring a new, I guess, just a new option to the menu. Yeah, definitely. Now, one, I mean, this is a little bit of a kind of a side note or segue, but are you familiar with the people that are 3D printing foods? There's a few chefs um, that are 3D printing foods. And I'm not entirely sure. I think most of them are plant-based foods that they're, they're 3D printing. Uh, have, you, uh, have you heard anything about that? I have not. Um, you haven't? I, I, I've heard of it. I haven't gone down the path of actually doing research on it. I think that's an interesting concept. I honestly don't really even know how 3D printing works. I think it's a I think it's a really cool thing. It's just that's not necessarily where, you know, I'm focusing my research. And I don't have a 3D printer at home, so it's not like I understand the mechanics of it. Yeah, I'm I think we'll have DeMarco pull that up. He'll, he'll look. I I just I know I was reading a story about these chefs that are uh, yeah, 3D printed food all you need to know in 2020. Um, let's see what this says. Yeah, it looks. Here. Like I found a uh, oh. found a article from All Three D P, which is a three D printing website. It looks like it's not anything crazy. Like you're not doing any kind of science. You're using the function of a three D printer to make food, like to lay it out as if it were being printed, like a three D printer would with like a plastic filament. Okay, it looks okay, and it's cool. edible. All right. The, okay. All right. That's okay. For some reason, I thought they were just making it out of nothing. Thanks for clarifying that, Marco. Um, yeah, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in, in this lab-grown meat thing. Like, um, do you think at some point they'll be able to bring that technology on base? Like, let's say in a military um, aspect. You know, you, you're, you're just, you want a T-bone steak, and they just they grow it for you right there. How fast? Do you know the rate at which the meat grows? It's still at a pretty slow rate. Um, I, I'm not sure what they're at, you know, at the end of 2020. It's not taking two years anymore. I believe the life cycle of it is six to eight weeks, and that's how long it um, I have I have that in my research as of last year. So I'm I'd say probably around six weeks is where they're currently at. Okay, six weeks. Wow, that's so crazy. But as far as bringing it to those areas, they've actually grown a lab-grown burger patty in space. Shut the fuck up! No way. Dead serious. Look it up if you want. I have a bunch of research I can send you that I've done, but. 
they've actually grown a lab-grown burger patty in a space shuttle, proving that they're trying to prove the concept that it can be grown anywhere. Yeah. That this technology, though it's not perfected and though it's not efficient yet in terms of time and cost, that it is something that is viable and will be something in the future. Yeah, meat grown in space for the first time ever. Whoa. Whoa. My question is, how the hell did they cook it? <laughs> I, I did. I don't know. I have no, no idea. Um, that Just thinking about that long term, it's kind of crazy how this is all coming together, right? You got Elon Musk, richest man on the planet as of like this week. Yeah. Like, when it comes to, though, like, like just like real broad thinking, uh, outside of the box, when it comes to you know the colonization of other planets, technologies like this are going to be necessary. And I think it's really cool that the, I mean they even applied that in space. So now if we have a colony on Mars, we've got meat. We can grow. It. We can yeah. grow it. We can create it. Um, and then we'll have to figure out a way to set up some greenhouse to grow vegetables. Um, I mean, if, if we get really proficient at this, uh, then we wouldn't, I mean, I think that would potentially save space on a, on a, on a shuttle. Um, I don't know. Like there's a lot of very interesting applications for this that I, I'm just now, now that I'm talking to you thinking about, which is awesome. Well, and you got to think if they can do it with meat, they can probably do it with a vegetable too. Oh, for sure. Um, for sure. But yeah, I, I agree. I think. I think there, if there is colonization on Mars, it may not be in our lifetime, but I think in the very, you know, in the future, that is a technology that somebody like Elon Musk would heavily invest in because that's something that they would rely on. There's no livestock up there in Mars and you can't transport that. You can't pack a bunch of cans of Spam and Lunchables and, you know, <laughs> expect people to fucking survive on it. You have to really kind of think about sustainability. Um, you know, right now, we look at food as food is a very finite commodity for us. You know, there's not unlimited food on earth. Eventually we'll run out. So this is kind of working us towards that long-term sustainable future where in 250 years from now, when, you know, life as we know it ceases to exist because we treat our planet like a garbage can, we can at least still eat a cheeseburger and <laughs> Dude, you are so Midwestern. I, we could at least still make a juicy Lucy and just everything's going to be okay. But, but no, it's true. And it's something that, you know, there, there's a lot of applications for this. And it's kind of exciting to think about, I guess, what we'll see in the future. Because this is going to hit, like, this is going to hit our shelves within the next year or two. And that's not a long time away. So we're going to be able to see the launch of it. And almost the entirety of, you know, the first 50 years and like where it starts and where it leads to. Oh yeah. This is, it's, this is definitely, I, I feel like this is definitely going to be a dis disruptive in the food industry for sure. Um, one of the things um, I just had a thought that popped into my head, like when you were commenting yeah. on the planet and how, how we treat it, like, should, are you aware of like the soil degrad? I think it's the top soil degradation, like, and how that's yep. pretty and much. Absolutely. Um, Especially since it's, you know, irreplaceable. It's not like soil grows back. That soil's gone. It is That's gone. something that I've learned, you know, 
it's gone. And I I feel that's a huge thing. You know, there's the hypoxia zone in the Gulf, which is the dead zone. That's from all the nutrient runoff into the, you know, waterways. And it's a zone with zero oxygen, the size of New Jersey, where nothing can survive in it. I think there's a lot of stuff for our environment that's really just negative. And I think right now is kind of the turning point where if we are going to do something and preserve what we have, you know, it's a time to act. And that's where you think lab-grown meat is a good solution for that, or at least a good start, because the water use for, I believe it's by pound, is it takes 1,800 gallons of water to produce a pound of beef, whereas it takes 324 for lab-grown meat. Then you look at the greenhouse gas emissions, and that's 16 pounds of greenhouse gas compared to 3.5. Then you look at land use, and the number is stupid. It only takes two and a half square feet to create, like, you know, a pound of of lab-grown meat, whereas it takes 260 square feet to produce a natural form of beef. So there's a lot of benefits to it. But the problem with that as well is, you know, a lot of people are worried about the humane treatment and they're worried about our planet. One of the biggest greenhouse gas emitters in the world are cows with their their burps and farts. You know that when you live in the Midwest, their flatulence is terrible for the environment. And I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure you're accurate on that. Um, and it, the 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 number one greenhouse gas emitter. I didn't say it was the number one. I said it's one of the biggest. Oh, countries. yeah. I don't. I I don't know. I I can't off the top of my head remember. Um, factually, and Demarco, go and look into that. But um, what it is. But um, uh, I don't. So I actually, actually I found it. Uh, so plant agriculture is the la- the largest. Um, with fifteen or. I'm sorry, 15%. The largest in the world is actually wetlands, just naturally. But as far yeah, as like, like human like influence, as far as human oh, influence. Let it go on record. I didn't say the largest. Oh, no, no, no. I was no. very no, careful. No, 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 no. I, know, I, know. I know it's not the largest, but it is a big <laughs> impact on the environment. For sure. For sure. I mean, and, and so, and, 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 ugh, and, and, and industrial farming as well. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with, oh my goodness. Um, Ooh, he's a documentary. I can't, he's a farmer. Uh, cannot think of his name right now. No, I, well, it's not Joe Lazan. I can't, I can't think of, uh, it'll come to me. Um, but he's all about regenerative farming, right? Like, like switching the types of crops you're using and then putting cattle in there and pigs and having them shit and then using that as fertilizer, just kind of, always mixing it up and unlike uh, some of these large mega farms like Monsanto's that will just grow soybeans in the same spot until the fucking soil's barren, right? Like that's not what this guy's about. There is a movement. Joe Salatin. Thank you, Joe Salatin. Um, and that's, that's something if you're going to look into the farming industry, definitely I would read his book and look into the benefits of regenerative farming. Um, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's wild times we live in. I think, I'm hopeful that we're waking up. I feel like there's a lot of people that are doing their best to ensure that we have 
a plan, a home that we could that's inhabitable, that still has a lot of the natural resources and the and the, and the beauty um, for future generations. I'm I'm hoping, I'm very hopeful. There's a lot of positive things coming out. Um, it's it scares the shit out of me some of it, but like I'm I'm happy. I mean, I mean, what other kind of interesting things are you seeing in the food industry? Well, I'm by my research, um, greenhouse gas emissions from cattle is about 25 billion pounds a year. Yeah. So, what is it? 25 billion pounds. What's that? I said, what? How much? How much do cars uh, affect that as well? That's something I can't pull off the top of my head. No, I can't either. That's okay. I got my research. I'm not. I'm not a genius in everything. <laughs> uh, I got I got a guy. I mean, um, I don't claim to be a genius in this. I just have a lot of information that you know I've researched over the past you know couple of years, and I'm going to be going for my doctorate here in the fall with a lot of this stuff focused on agricultural economics. So, and that's kind of where I was looking at this. At first, it was an environmental thing, and now it's more of a, an economical or it's an economic you know topic for me. But on top of that. It's also about policy because when it comes and hits the market, it's kind of going to be a surprise where there's not going to be a lot of regulations in play. And whether or not those regulations are needed, there's going to be pushback from farmers and ranchers who are trying to protect their business because they don't want to lose any of their market share. You can have large companies, won't say any names, but... um, you know, the large meat distributors in the country who could hop on board with this and back this and instantly wipe out a lot of the market share for those agricultural workers. But in terms of health, you know, they say it's cleaner, but we don't know the long lasting impact it has on our bodies. There's just, there's a lot of unknowns that, you know, right now there's no regulations or policy on it. And I know there is a huge debate over regulations with using with uh, using stem cells and not just for this. So I think there's going to be a lot of complications when it initially hits. And that's where I'm, you know, going to be pursuing my research. Oh, that is going to be fascinating. That's right. Um, one of the things, if I was going to guess as, as to what would happen with this industry, especially if it's a threat to the beef industry, right? I would just, I bet that they would just buy them. Like if, if you know what I'm saying, like they have the money, I would just buy that corporation and you can either shut it down or keep going with it. Um, that I mean, that's the most logical thing to do would just be to buy it. If you're a beef conglomerate. Yeah, but at the same time, that's kind of taking the monopoly approach where at the end of the day, there's just going to be one company that controls all. If it's a, if it's that easy to just buy everybody out, I think it'd be like I know what path you're going down, and I don't think you know you're on a wrong path of it. I more so think you know you think about these farms and ranches that have been there for generations and generations, and they care about preserving their names rather than buying them, incentivizing them to have market share or to kind of get on board with some of these larger conglomerates. I think there's incentives for changing to more environmentally friendly machinery and food sources for their livestock to prevent nutrient runoff. I think any sort of tax incentive, you know, I think that's stuff to consider. Um, yeah. So you don't, you don't think that 
like I don't even know any. I'm just gonna. I'm using the beef industry, right? A, a large conglomerate of cattle barons. You don't think that if that was a threat to your industry, you don't think that you would just purchase the lab-grown meat business? Like I would. I don't know how you could. I don't know. I don't know how much money it's worth, but I'm saying if you, if I mean, I'm sure that the beef industry is a, a billion-dollar industry, and there's out of right. But uh, you're not billion, necessarily buying the product; you're buying the science behind it, which yeah, is a lot more the, valuable. It's you know, it's the difference between buying a fish and buying the ability to fish. You're yeah, no, you're exactly. buying you're buying the whole formula. And the science behind everything, you're not necessarily buying all the product, you're buying the actual formula. And Yeah, you're buying the company and all the intellectual property it within that company. I'm, but what I'm simply saying is if I was a member of the uh, cattle conglomerate or whatever, I would try and purchase that. So that way there, yeah. like if it, if it puts my industry out of business, at least I can control I mean, I'm just thinking that that's probably what would happen. You're talking about them buying a company like Memphis Meat. Yes, exactly. They would never sell. That's the thing. I mean, in a perfect world, I, I get where you're coming from, but I don't think that's a feasible thing. I think you know, with Memphis Meats, if somebody went to them with a ten billion dollar offer and saying, "Hey, we're going to buy 100 percent of your company," they're valued more than that. And even if they weren't, they'd be like, "No," because we have something that in the future. This is going to be worth 10x, 20x what it's worth now. So I I don't know how realistic or feasible that is. But at the same time, it's a thought process where having some sort of control comes within policy and regulation. And that's where I was going with that. Because I feel if they could just buy out these companies, one... Yes, they'd have complete control of the market then, and they'd be able to regulate how much actual meat versus culture meat is going out. But two, it's preventing further innovation on something that could really impact our, you know, our food system for better or worse. Oh, yeah. No, I, I understand. I'm just saying, if you look at history, though, you have oil companies that buy up various patents of uh, you, back in the day of various fuel-saving technologies and whatnot. You, so this is something that corporations do. Um, and then it, it's private now, so it's not up for auction. They don't. It sounds like they're doing very, very well with their funding. But if there was an IPO, right, then it's on the, the free market. And then it would be evaluated and, and you could probably take it over that way. But I mean, again, it's private right now. Is all, I'm just saying if I were you, since you've been monitoring this, that's something that's a, that's a, another piece of the story to also look into as well. Cause oh, I mean, like this is, this is going to be, I think a very disruptive technology. And I don't know if the patents expired or still there, but there is actually a patent on cell cultured meat. It was originally filed back in 2001 by White Westerhoff. He was out of the University of Amsterdam. And then it was later filed by Willem Frederick van Elen in 2005. I have, if, if you want, I can shoot you the patent number to kind of look at it. I got to look it up too. I, haven't, I didn't dive down this path, you know, at all this last semester. I did a bunch of policy classes. So I've kind of put a halt on some of my stuff through the fall semester. That's where I'm trying to do this and catch back up and get back on board with everything. But there, there was a patent on this. And the reason why is because it is a, it isn't, it is a technology. 
Oh, yeah. And it's one that could be worth a lot of money. So that's where the person who, you know, people are trying to protect. And as as far as any sort of history repeating itself, like with oil companies and whatnot, they you're not going to have, you know, Cargill or Tyson come in and buy this patent because the patent's already issued and the person who got it issued to them is going to make much more than those companies could offer them. Yeah, you know, no, I, I totally und- I totally understand. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. I, I was thinking yeah, exactly. Because that's definitely a possibility. But I definitely see the potential for this type of technology is vast. We just don't even know how much it's worth. And, and quite frankly, we don't know if it will work. I'm very curious. In your studies, have you seen – do you think that people that are vegan would go down this? Uh, you know, I'm super curious about that because if there's no loss of life, right – do you think that that's something that they would get on board with? You know, this is this and vegetarians. This was one of the questions that I've done some surveying on. I've done it with. I, I've even made it political and left wing, right wing. Who would eat it? It's so interesting because I don't know if vegans would eat it. It's so split down the middle. I've gotten answers from vegans saying, "Well, if it's a humane treatment of animals, then yes." You know, I've had vegans are saying no because the whole idea of it and you're still taking a bit of animal tissue and that goes against everything. And same with vegetarians. But there was also the answer of my body doesn't digest meat very well. That's why I don't eat it where there are choice where it's a choice for them because their body doesn't react to digesting meat. But, you know, with the with that category aside and just looking at those who care about the well-being of the livestock and that's why they're not eating any sort of meat it's kind of split right now there, there's a lot of i got a lot of unsures with the answers they kind of want to see how it turns out they want to see you know a video of a cow getting a little bit of animal a little bit of tissue out of it rather than a video of a slaughterhouse and saying oh i'm never eating meat again so it yeah. is down the middle yeah, that, yeah, that is uh, that's that's a good point. Yeah, because we don't know. Like, huh, are they, what are they just doing? Like sticking a syringe in a cow and extracting uh, a little bit of tissue, or that's exactly what they're doing. Okay, they're not chopping sense. up a limb. They're taking they're only taking a little <laughs> bit. They need to. It, it's, it's just I mean, you probably had cuts bigger than it, where it took out a little bit of your skin or something like that, and the animal tissue you have to imagine reproduces or. Oh yeah, yeah. It tears itself. So just like our muscles, our muscles tear and they're rebuilt. So it doesn't have any inhumane, you know, effects on the animal, from my understanding. Do they do they have to do that each and every time they're creating a cut of meat, or do they just like that's yeah, that's actually yeah. Do they have to do it every time they create a cut of meat? Do they have to inject the syringe? I can't answer that question with certainty. I will say, I believe when, like, this is my personal opinion on it, because I haven't gone down that process. Again, I'm not a scientist. I, I try to stay more on the economics and the policy behind it. But I would imagine when they extract tissue, they don't use all that tissue for one patch. They take okay. bits of it and then use stem cells to replicate the DNA and the characteristics. Now, when they do that, I would imagine that they would extract tissue 
more often to create in mass quantities. But again, I can't yeah. I can't say with absolute certainty. And this is for all cuts of meat. This is for yeah. beef, so can, uh, pork, chicken. Back in 2002, they successfully replicated meat and made the first ever edible lab-grown meat product. You know what it is? There's a fish stick. What is it? And it was made from the cells of a goldfish. Which I know. I'm looking at your guys' face. No, that's it's not good, but it was edible. Um, <laughs> and they, and I'm not even kidding. I actually have the source for that, too. But it was... They replicated the DNA of a goldfish and created a cell cultured fish stick. That's so crazy. Disgusting. I, I don't know if I would try that. I would definitely try lab grown meat. I know a lot of people, you know, originally say no because they think, oh, you know, it's a bunch of product thrown into it. When realistically, it's a, you know, it's a meat patty. No, I, I for sure would try. I'll try anything once or just about anything once. And I definitely would try that. I'm not, I'm not afraid of it as far as like adopting it and only going down that direction. You know, I don't know about that. And here's a source right I'm here. It was sure. 2002, a company named NSR Toro Applied Bioscience Research Consortium successfully produced the first ever consumable, the fish fillet with replicated cells from a gold. That's so nuts. How many of these companies are there now? Like, is it like, I mean, you, you listed off like four or five and right, that's a, that was a new. I want to yeah. say right now, there's probably about 30 worldwide. Okay. Most of them are pretty far behind. I think as far as the, I, I think a good answer for the vegan and vegetarian question where I could predict where the market will impact was um, PETA. You think about PETA how they react to this, how they react to the treatment of animals. Back in 2008, PETA offered a $1 million prize for the first company who could reproduce a chicken with stem cells and bring it to consumers by 2012. Obviously, that didn't happen, but PETA was on board with the idea of cell culture meat products. I would think that you could almost use that as kind of an indicator of where vegetarians and vegans would react. I don't mean to backtrack, and I hope you can edit that a bit, but that's kind of oh no, bro, no, no, no this is a this is a this is a free flowing show. We go, we jump all we're just, all we're just around. Vibing, man, we're just vibing. It is what it is, man. Yeah, this is uh, this your is this your first podcast, sir? Ever? Really? Never done it oh man. They're awesome. Well, you're very good at it. You're very good at it. I mean, and I it's my understanding that you're going to start one. I am starting one. I have a site that's getting built right now. Right now there's a temporary site up. Um, I'm kind of reaching out and I'll get with you after the show, find out where I can air this and, you know, ask for some tips and tricks because you seem to be pretty well versed in the podcast space and you're obviously killing it, man. So anything helps, but um, right now I'm gearing to air it on February 1st, which is a Monday. I'll be airing episodes every Monday and Thursday there will be part one on Monday, part two on Thursday. They'll range between 20 and 25 minutes long. A lot of the stuff that we spoke about tonight where I didn't have a certain answer, those are the, that's the kind of stuff that's going to be going into each episode. Now, it is about lab-grown meat or cell-cultured meat, but it's also about the future of food. So it's keeping an open end on where the podcast could go just because 
being a foodie and looking at some of this futuristic stuff, it's intriguing, man. There's, there's a lot of stuff out there that people don't know. Oh, dude, I know you're blown. I mean, tell me two more things that I don't know about the future of food because the slab grill meat thing was, I'm, I'm glad I could use you as a resource, but this was a surprise, a bit of a surprise to me. And uh, I'm always looking for another surprise. So t- I need two things. I'm put. I don't. I don't. Put me on the spot, man. I, I realize I was putting you on the spot, dude. I'm sorry. My bad, man. My bad. Well, um, I can tell you that an overwhelming during the interview, it was overwhelming. I think it was like seventy percent from my sample size, which was a little over a hundred. Seventy percent of the people that said they would try it were actual. De- they're Democrats. And it was like 68% that said they wouldn't try it or Republicans. A lot of the answer I got were, you know, I feel a lot of liberalism will promote this. And I don't mean to make that, you know, generalization, but I actually do at the same time. So, yeah, I I, I think it's very overwhelming how open and. I guess experimental leftist compared to the right in terms of food, in terms of meat. And then they just want just want more options, bro. Yeah. And believe it or not, more women are from again from my surveying and I tried to pick random samples um and shoot them out, but women were more open to trying it than men. More adventurous. Well, that's actually pretty surprising. That's pretty. I didn't. I wouldn't have thought about that. Um, it's. I'm very excited. I mean, are you getting into? Um, are d- does. Not horticulture, but uh, like fermentation science. Is that something that you'll cover in your show? I think that's something I'll look into. Um, I think so. With my show, I want to make sure that I'm as credible as. I don't want to just read off of one of my papers and expand that for the entirety of the show. I want to take feedback and that's where I'll be hosting my show live on Twitch. I have a few followers on there, but overall um, kind of leave it open forum for some feedback, some areas where people are interested in learning and get with the right people. Um, When I'm, when I'll be going for my PhD, I'm making sure that the schools I applied to are, really good with agriculture and they have the labs, they have the professors there. But on top of that, I'm going to make sure that I'm still reaching out to the right researchers and scientists to get that information. So I think in terms of horticulture, though that's something I couldn't tell you anything about right now, not in the slightest in the degree that you'd want me to, it's definitely open for discussion in future podcasts. Um, I know starting off, it's going to mainly just kind of be an introduction into the category. Then it's going to go into, you know, health and economics. and It's just going to kind of span as I go. I don't have a, you know, I don't have bullet by bullet. This week I'm doing this. This week I'm doing this. I'm doing this just to vibe and talk some nerdy shit about food. So whenever, whenever I get the suggestion, man, I'm going to take some time, research it, and make sure I can give some credible answers. And then if I ever get questions on it, find the answer, let the person know. Fantastic, man. Well, that's a, that's a good place to end it. I mean, you heard it here first. It's uh, the new age grill live. 
it's coming. It's going to be anywhere you find podcasts on Twitch. That's the New Age Grill with Kyle Anderson. Thanks so much for coming on the show, brother. Yeah, not a problem, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. If you need any information on New Age Grill, go to theactualmedia.com or you can follow me on Twitter, Anderson with an E underscore actual. So I really appreciate your time, guys. Thank you.